You're listening to The Living Word with Danny Hodges of Calvary Chapel Fellowship in St. Pete. They shouted for joy. I mean, it was a joyous occasion and fell face down. Did you hear that? They're full of joy, but they're also full of reverence. Never take one without the other. That's what God wants for his people, to be full of joy. Many of us would be quick to agree that nothing can compare to the joy that we have in the Lord. In some cases, we can end up being so overcome with joy that we forget about the importance of practicing reverence to the God who gave us such joy in the first place. In today's message, Pastor Danny reflects on the reaction of Israel when being exposed to the presence of the Lord. In his study, you'll learn that while God wants nothing more than for us to be filled with joy, He still wants our reverence. Now here's Pastor Danny in the book of Leviticus chapter 8 as he begins his message, A Lesson on Reverence. Leviticus chapter 8, and Leviticus, of course, is all about the priesthood. Chapter 8 is the ordination of Aaron, the high priest, and his sons. It begins like this, verse 1. The Lord said to Moses, bring Aaron and his sons, their garments, the anointing oil, the bull for the sin offering, the two rams and the basket containing bread made without yeast, and gather the entire assembly at the entrance to the tent of meeting. Moses did as the Lord commanded, and the assembly gathered at the entrance to the tent of meeting. Moses said to the assembly, this is what the Lord has commanded to be done. Then Moses brought Aaron and his sons forward and washed them with water. He put the tunic on Aaron, tied the sash around him, clothed him with the robe, and put the ephod on him. He also tied the ephod to him by its skillfully woven waistband, so it was fastened on him. He placed the breastpiece on him and put the Urim and Thummim in the breastpiece. The Urim and Thummim, kind of mysterious uh, things. They were stones and they would discern the will of God by the Urim and Thummim. We aren't giving them details on how it worked. Did they glow or something or did one's yes, the other's no? I don't know exactly how that worked. We aren't told. But it was discerning the will of God through the Urim and the Thummim. Then he placed the turban on Aaron's head. He set the gold plate, the sacred diadem, on the front of it as the Lord commanded Moses. Then Moses took the anointing oil, anointed the tabernacle, everything in it, and so consecrated them. He sprinkled some of the oil on the altar seven times, anointing the altar and all its utensils and the basin with its stand to consecrate them. He poured some of the anointing oil on Aaron's head and anointed him to consecrate him. Then he brought Aaron's sons forward 
put tunics on them, tied sashes around them, and put headbands on them as the Lord commanded Moses. So he's ordaining them, anointing them for their priestly ministry. Verse 14, he then presented the bull for the sin offering, and Aaron and his sons laid their hands on its head. And if you've been with us, you know that that's symbolic and referring to that their sin uh, now goes on the sacrifice so that uh, they have atonement. And of course, we know none of these sacrifices could completely atone for man, that the blood of Jesus is the atonement. But all these sacrifices represent that atonement. You jump down, verse 18. He then presented the ram for the burnt offering. And the burnt offering, if you were with us last time in Leviticus, uh, in the first few chapters, is a whole offering. And the New Testament equivalent to that is Romans chapter 1, offer your bodies as living sacrifices. So the ram for the burnt offering, and Aaron and his sons laid their hands on its head. You jump down to verse 22. He then presented the other ram, the ram for the ordination. And Aaron and his sons laid their hands on its head. Moses slaughtered the ram, took some of its blood, put it on the lobe of Aaron's right ear, on the thumb of his right hand, and on the big toe of his right foot. That's interesting. Things we hear, things we do with our hands, where we go with our feet can get us into trouble. Then he sprinkled the blood against the altar on all sides. Chapter 8, verse 30. Then Moses took some of the anointing oil and some of the blood from the altar and sprinkled them on Aaron and his garments and on his sons and their garments. Can you imagine being under this economy? I mean, it's bloody. So he consecrated Aaron and his garments and his sons and their garments. Verse 33 do not leave the entrance to the tent of meeting for seven days until the days of your ordination are completed, for your ordination will last seven days. What has been done today was commanded by the Lord to make atonement for you. You must stay at the entrance to the tent of meeting day and night for seven days and do what the Lord requires. And here's a good motivation, so that you will not die. That's a great incentive to do what God said, for this is what I have commanded. So Aaron and his sons did everything the Lord commanded through Moses. Chapter 9. On the eighth day, Moses summoned Aaron and his sons and the elders of Israel. He said to Aaron, take a bull calf for your sin offering and a ram for your burnt offering, both without defect. And present them before the Lord. Then say to the Israelites, take a male goat for a sin offering, a calf and a lamb, both a year old and without defect, for a burnt offering, and an ox and a ram for a fellowship offering to sacrifice before the Lord, together with a grain offering mixed with oil. For today, the Lord will appear to you. Man, if I'm here, and especially if I'm Aaron or one of his sons, I'm getting God bumps. They took the things Moses commanded to the front of the tent of meeting. The entire assembly, assembly came near and stood before the Lord. Then Moses said, this is what the Lord has commanded you to do so that the glory of the Lord may appear to you. Moses said to Aaron, come to the altar, sacrifice your sin offering, your burnt offering, make atonement for yourself and the people. Sacrifice the offering that is for the people 
and make atonement for them as the Lord has commanded. So Aaron came to the altar and slaughtered the calf as a sin offering for himself. His sons brought the blood to him, and he dipped his finger into the blood and put it on the horns of the altar. The rest of the blood he poured out at the base of the altar. On the altar, he burned the fat, the kidneys, the covering, and the liver from the sin offering as the Lord commanded Moses. The flesh and the hide he burned outside the camp. Then he slaughtered the burnt offering. His sons handed him the blood, and he sprinkled it against the altar on all sides. They handed him the burnt offering piece by piece, including the head, and he burned them on the altar. He washed the inner parts and the legs and burned them on top of the burnt offering on the altar. Aaron then brought the offering that was for the people. He took the goat for the people's sin offering, slaughtered it, offered it for a sin offering as he did with the first one. He brought the burnt offering, offered it in the prescribed way. He also brought the grain offering, took a handful of it, and burned it on the altar in addition to the morning's burnt offering. He slaughtered the ox and the ram as the fellowship offering for the people. His sons handed him the blood, and he sprinkled it against the altar on all sides. But the fat portions of the ox and the ram, the fat tail, the layer of fat, the kidneys, and the covering of the liver, these they laid on the breast, and then Aaron burned the fat on the altar. Remember, God said, the fat is mine. God wants the fat. That's where the flavor is. Aaron waved the breast and the right thigh before the Lord as a waver offering, as Moses commanded. Then Aaron lifted his hands toward the people and blessed them. What a privilege. And having sacrificed the sin offering, the burnt offering, and the fellowship offering, he stepped down. Moses and Aaron then went into the tent of meeting. When they came out, they blessed the people, and the glory of the Lord appeared to all the people. I wish we had a DVD. It just must have been awesome. Fire came out from the presence of the Lord, consumed the burnt offering, the fat portions on the altar. And when all the people saw it, Here's what they did. They shouted for joy. I mean, it was a joyous occasion. And fell face down. Did you hear that? They're full of joy, but they're also full of reverence. Never take one without the other. That's what God wants for his people. To be full of joy. Hebrews chapter 1 quotes an Old Testament prophecy about the Messiah. Let me turn and just read that section of Hebrews chapter 1. All about the Son. All about Jesus the Christ, chapter 1. Verse 9. You've loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has set you above your companions by anointing you with the oil of joy. Jesus Christ was the most joyful human being ever to visit this planet, full of joy. That's what he wants for us. He wants us to be full of joy, but full of joy and at the same time, full of reverence. Hebrews chapter 12, you might want to turn there just for a moment. Hebrews chapter 12, and in Hebrews chapter 12 in this section, uh, the writer uh, inspired by the Holy Spirit, contrasts the Old Covenant, the Old Testament, with the New Covenant. The Old Covenant, when Moses received it, it was at Mount Sinai, and 
He contrasts the old covenant with the new. Verse 18, for example, uh, chapter 12 of Hebrews. You've not come to a mountain that can be touched and that's burning with fire, to darkness, gloom, and storm, to a trumpet blast, or to such uh, voice speaking words that those who heard it begged that no further word would be spoken because they could not bear what was commanded. Even if an animal touches the mountain, it must be stoned. The sight was so terrifying that Moses said, I'm trembling with fear. That's the old covenant. It's the covenant of law, verse 22. But you have come to Mount Zion, to the heavenly Jerusalem, the city of the living God. You come to thousands upon thousands of angels in joyful assembly, to the church of the firstborn, whose names are written in heaven. You've come to God, the judge of all men, to the spirits of righteous men made perfect, to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. The blood of Abel spoke vengeance. The blood of Jesus speaks forgiveness. We're not done reading in Hebrews yet. Verse 25, see to it that you do not refuse him who speaks. If they did not escape when they refused him who warned them on earth, how much less will we if we turn away from him who warns us from heaven? At that time, his voice shook the earth. But now he's promised, once more I'll shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. The words once more indicate the removing of what can be shaken, that is created things, so that what cannot be shaken may remain. And here's the last part of chapter 12. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe. For our God is a consuming fire. You understand the message there? New Testament believers... We ought to be full of joy like never before because of all that God has done for us. But with that joy, reverence. Never take one without the other. Now back to our text. And before you read ahead, this is the priesthood. God ordaining Aaron and his sons for the priesthood. Fascinates me, still can't get over it, that Peter writes about us as New Testament believers. You also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood. He's talking about us. Offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Verse 9, you're a chosen people, a royal priesthood. Stop there a minute. Just remind ourselves. A royal priesthood. That's better than the Old Testament priesthood because in the Old Testament economy, you couldn't be a priest and a king. But Jesus is a priest and a king. We're a part of a priesthood that's a royal priesthood. Far exceeds any Old Testament, Old Covenant priesthood. So we have a greater ministry than Aaron, a greater ministry than his sons. In truth, we do a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. That's incredible. Reverence is to regard with fear mingled with respect and affection. I think that's the greatest definition of reverence had to go all the way back to the 1828 Noah Webster American Dictionary of the English Language to get it, but it's the great definition. By the way, that dictionary, 
definition of words and relates so many things to the Bible. It's just incredible. That's the kind of dictionary you want. To regard with fear, mingled with respect and affection. We love our God. We love our Savior. But as the writer of Hebrews reminded us, chapter 12, we also fear him in a very holy way because our God is a consuming fire. Tremendous privilege Aaron and his sons had. Tremendous privilege, even greater privilege, you and I have. You can't believe what happens in Leviticus chapter 10. Sad. Chapter 10, verse 1. After all this tremendous privilege that Aaron's sons and himself have in their calling, their ordination, their anointing. Chapter 10 opens this way. Aaron's sons, Nadab and Abihu, took their censers, put fire in them, and added incense. And they offered unauthorized fire before the Lord, contrary to his command. So fire came out from the presence of the Lord and consumed them, and they died before the Lord. What a sad two verses. What happened? Wasn't all of his sons, just two of his sons. Verse 3, Moses then said to Aaron, this is what the Lord spoke of when he said, among those who approach me, I will show myself holy. In the sight of all the people, I will be honored. Aaron remained silent. Imagine being the dad here. Imagine what emotion is going on in his soul. Moses summoned Mishael and Elzaphon, sons of Aaron's uncle Uziel, and said to them, come here, carry your cousins outside the camp, away from the front of the sanctuary. So they came and carried them, still in their tunics, outside the camp, as Moses ordered. Aaron's got to be fighting back the tears. Then Moses said to Aaron and his sons Eliezer and Ithamar. So now, the remaining sons and the dad. Here's the instruction. Do not let your hair become unkempt, and do not tear your clothes, or you will die, and the Lord will be angry with the whole community. In other words, don't show any outward sign of mourning. But your relatives, all the house of Israel, may mourn for those the Lord has destroyed by fire. Do not leave the entrance to the tent of meeting or you will die because the Lord's anointing oil is on you. So they did, as Moses said. Even in ordinary cases, restrictions were placed upon Aaron and his son regarding outward signs of mourning. But exceptions were made in case of closest kin, especially the death of a son or a brother. Let me just turn real quick to Leviticus chapter 21 and just read a couple of verses there. Leviticus chapter 21, verse 1. The Lord said to Moses, speak to the priest, the sons of Aaron, and say to them, a priest must not make himself ceremonially unclean for any of his people who die, except for a close relative, such as his mother or father, his son or daughter, his brother. So why not here? Why this special case? Because they had to stand for the Lord and his actions. They had to show by their countenance, we agree with what just took place. We agree 
with God's hand of judgment against my sons, against our brothers. That's tough. Here's the first question. What was it that made the fire unauthorized? What was it? We're not told. Leviticus chapter 16 and verse 1 says this, The Lord spoke to Moses after the death of the two sons of Aaron who died when they approached the Lord. This could be a clue. The Lord said to Moses, Tell your brother Aaron not to come whenever he chooses into the most holy place behind the curtain in front of the atonement cover on the ark, or else he will die because I appear in the cloud over the atonement cover. Now, it's not absolutely clear, but that is perhaps a clue. Could it be that Nadab and Abihu took the fire and they entered into the holy place, the most holy place, where only dad was to go once a year on the day of atonement? Could be. Could be. And that verse suggests... That's a possibility. Another scripture tells us that they were to light their censer from a particular altar. Did they light their censers from somewhere else? Possibly. Here's a third possibility. You go back to chapter 10 and read the next couple of verses from where I stopped. Uh, Verse 8. Then the Lord said to Aaron, you and your sons are not to drink wine or other fermented drink whenever you go into the tent of meeting or you will die. Had to kick back a few and then gone into the tent of meeting? Were they inebriated? Could be. Here's the deal. We could spend the rest of the service talking about the possibilities of what the unauthorized fire was. We aren't told what the unauthorized fire was, but we are told Nadab and Abihu knew better. They knew. They knew it was unauthorized. They knew they had stepped over the line. They knew it was an irreverent act. They knew it. Rest of the chapter. This is a lasting ordinance for the generations to come. Verse 10, you must distinguish between the holy and the common, between the unclean and the clean. You must teach the Israelites all the decrees the Lord has given them through Moses. Moses said to Aaron and his remaining sons, Eliezer and Ithamar, take the grain offering left over from the offerings made to the Lord by fire and eat it prepared without yeast beside the altar for it is most holy. Eat it in a holy place because it's your share and your son's share of the offerings made to the Lord by fire. For so I've been commanded. But you and your sons and your daughters may eat the breast that was waved and the thigh that was presented. Eat them in a ceremonially clean place. They've been given to you and your children as your share of the Israelites' fellowship offerings. The thigh that was presented, the breast that was waved, must be brought with the fat portions of the offerings made by fire. Be waved before the Lord as a wave offering. This will be the regular share for you and your children as commanded. And when Moses inquired about the go to the sin offering and found that it had been burned up, he was angry with Eliezer and Ithamar, Aaron's remaining sons, and asked, why didn't you eat the sin offering in the sanctuary area? It's most holy. It was given to you to take away the guilt of the community by making atonement for them before the Lord. Since its blood was not taken into the holy place, you should have eaten the goat in the sanctuary area as I commanded. And Aaron replied to Moses, today they sacrificed their sin offering and their burnt offering before the Lord, but such things as this have happened to me. He's referring to the death of his sons. Would the Lord have been pleased if I had eaten the sin offering today? And when Moses heard this, he was satisfied. 
Thanks for joining Pastor Danny today for his message in Leviticus. There's a lot to learn from this Old Testament book of the law. God gave these rules and regulations to the Israelites for a reason. Each one of them points you to who God is and how he desires his followers to stand out from the rest of the crowd. Leviticus gives you a picture of the care that God has for his creation and invites you into a new way of living. If you'd like to hear more of Pastor Danny's teachings from this book, or if you'd like to explore other series from The Living Word, we invite you to visit ccfstpete.church. While you're there, you can also learn about the church where these teachings come from, Calvary Chapel Fellowship. If you're in the St. Petersburg area, come join us for church this weekend. We meet on Saturdays at 6 p.m. and Sundays at 9 and 11 a.m. Details and directions are at our website. Again, that's ccfstpete.church. If you're not able to join us in person just yet, you can still tune in via our live stream. Find a link at our website. As our time with you comes to an end today, we want you to know that we're praying for you. Is there anything specific we could be lifting up to the Lord? Please email us to let us know. Info at ccfstpete.church. That's all we have for now. Join us next time for more from Leviticus right here on The Living Word.